the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You may not know what to say, but you've got to wrestle in this moment. You've got to wrestle with this reality. And there are a couple of truths that you need to understand. The first truth is this. Get it, Job. You can take it to the bank. Don't you forget it. I am always right. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus Christ like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhillchurch.com. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. You have your copy of God's Word in any form, turn with me to Job, to the 40th chapter. We continue the message series, From the Ashes, today's message, what to say when you don't know what to say. Or I think you could also phrase this message, the gospel according to Job, because you're going to see in the life of Job and his response to our almighty, holy God, that the gospel cord is woven throughout even the Old Testament of Scripture as we see the pathway to God and the way to understand His grace. Have you ever said this before? I wish I'd never opened my mouth. Do you ever wish you could just go back in time and take away something that you said and make it as if you never, ever said it? Have you ever felt that way toward God. Oh God, I I wish I wouldn't have said the things about you. I wish I wouldn't have said the things to you that I said. That's really the message of this part of Job that we're going to see today. That's the response of Job. I want to remind you where we've come through. There's a meeting in the heavenlies. Satan was roaming to and fro the earth one day. He popped in on God. God said, what have you been doing? He said, I've been just looking to see who I might devour. And God says in Job 1.8, have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him in the earth. He's blameless. He's an upright man. He fears God and he turns away from evil. And we have this paradox, this irony of scriptures where a holy God looks out upon a man, one of his creation. And he turns to his enemy, the father of lies, the fallen angel, Lucifer, Satan himself. And he says, what about Job? Why not just wreak a little havoc in his life and see what happens? You see, the reason God chose Job was because he was different. He stood out. He was known as being holy. So God allowed Satan to come after Job with everything he had except his life. And so in chapter two and verse six, it says, the Lord said to Satan, behold, he's in your hand only spare his life. And what ensued was pure hell. It was devastation. Like no one has ever seen. He lost his fortune. He lost 
his family. By the time we meet him in chapter 40, he wished he would have lost his friends. And he was bobbling up and down in his faith. The, the book of Job is divided into three parts. The first couple of chapters describe what I just mentioned to you, that conversation between God and Satan and the havoc that was wreaked in Job's life. The next many chapters detail those conversations with Job and his friends, kind of a dialogue. And then at the conclusion of the book, we see Job and God just talking it out, just seeing how this whole thing was going to end. We see Job resolving some of those life questions we all ask. The whys. The why now? Why God? And this is important because we've recognized that every one of us are in one of three categories. We're either just coming out of one of these fiery trials. We're in the midst of one of life's storms or we're headed into times of difficulty and devastation. No matter who we are, no matter what our walk in life, we're not immune to the unexpected, the unwanted, the undesirable. And we are prone to ask why, just like Job. Just like I'm sure the family of young Faith Kirby must be doing this weekend. You know, if I were the mind of God, I would certainly think if you had a young family who had sacrificed everything, who was on the front line, who was living in one of the most dangerous nations on the planet, I would certainly think if you knew one thing is secure, we would know that they would be free from devastation because certainly, just because of how they were sacrificing, certainly because of the life that they were living, certainly they wouldn't have to go through the hardship. But on November 4th, her 36th birthday, Faith Kirby, a mother of four young children, a missionary in one of the darkest parts of the world, passed away. Storms, trials, fires, devastation, they're a part of life. So we must learn from Job. And finally, God begins to speak up. And last week we learned in Job 38 that the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. And he said, who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. I will question you. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. God speaks up out of the storm. And he says to Job, pull up your britches. It's time for us to have a little chat. Who do you really think you are that you would question me? And then we see that God begins to question Job. 77 questions he throws out. And let me remind you what he doesn't do. He doesn't give Job answers. He, he does not apologize. He, he doesn't tell Job about his conversation with Satan. And he's not happy. Because in this moment, he's dealing with that thing that had separated Job, that thing that had made him different, that willingness, regardless of what life sent, to simply say, God, I will be holy because you were holy. Job had been known as a holy man, and he had now begun to 
forsake that somewhat. And so in this encounter, we see that from the very heart of God, holiness matters most. I would ask you today, as you've gone through this last week, as you head into another season of gratitude, are you pursuing holiness? Hebrews 12, 14 says, make every effort to live at peace with all men, to be holiness, but to be holy without holiness, no one will see the Lord. I want to remind you, when we neglect the pursuit of holiness in our life, every spiritual fiber in our being begins to erode. So the first thing you should do, the first thing you should do when you feel life beginning to fall apart is look around in the mirror and say, am I pursuing holiness? And there were two things that Job did that got him back on track as he listened to the word of God. He saw God in all of his greatness. He began to remember and recognize again who God was and all that that meant. And then he submitted to God in all of his greatness. In chapters 40 through 42, detail the conversation that resulted in that submission. And that's where I want us to focus today. Look in chapter 40, beginning in verse 1. And the Lord said to Job, shall a fault finder contend with the Almighty? He who argues with God, let him answer it. He's saying, okay, you've been pointing the finger. And and some of you today, you've walked in and that's been the story of your life. You've been pointing the finger at God. You've been asking the why God, where are you God? Why aren't you responding God? In the sense, you've been finding fault with him. And perhaps like he said to Job, he would say to you, shall the fault finder find fault with the almighty? Then Job answered the Lord. And he said, behold, I am a man of small account. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand on my mouth. I've spoken once. And I will not answer twice. But I will proceed no further. What do you say? When you don't know what to say, nothing. And then then God steps back up and he gives us what I would call his concluding argument. Look at what it says in verse six. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind, the storm that's still going on around him. He says to him again, dress like action, dress for action like a man. I will question you. You make it known to me. Will you even put me in the wrong? Will you condemn me that you may be in the right? Have you an arm like God? Can you thunder with a voice like his? What is God saying? Job, I want you to understand something. You may put your hand over your mouth. You may not know what to say. But you've got to wrestle in this moment. You've got to wrestle with this reality. And there are a couple of truths that you need to understand. The first truth is this. Get it, Job. You can take it to the bank. Don't you forget it. I am always right. If you've just joined us, you're listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. 
Video of the message you're listening to is available when you click the Watch tab at MissionHillChurch.com. Thanks for sharing time with us and for sharing your financial gifts by clicking the Give button at MissionHillChurch.com. And now, with more of today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. And maybe today you just need to ingest that truth. And just rest in the reality that we serve a God who is always right. His ways are always the right ways. So he says to him, will you even put me in the wrong? Not a chance. Your questions, your heartache, your difficulties, your challenges, nothing you can throw against me will change the reality that I am right and I do right all the time. But he didn't stop there. There's a second truth he gave him. Not only did he say, I am always right. He said, you can never match my might. Who do you think you are? Can you open your mouth and make the sounds of thunder? Can you move your arms and change the makeup of the earth? God is not only a God that can do whatever he wants to do, but whatever he wants to do with all his might is always right. And then he gives him two illustrations. We're not going to read these, but these are some of the favorite passages of scripture of children because he talks about two great big old monstrous beasts. He talks about the behemoth. We don't know for sure who God's talking about. Could have been a monster, a a large animal we don't even know that was roaming the earth at the time. Sure it could. Some scholars, though, think it would be that hippopotamus. That big, beastly animal. And he talks about the power and the might of this animal. And God says to Job, "Could, could you make one of those? Let me see it. Give it your best shot. And then he talks about the Leviathan. That's what we think about as a sea monster. We don't know what that could be. Could it be some big sea dragon? Sure it could be. Or could it be what we may even see down in South Florida? The deadly crocodile that can get so large that can writhe and wiggle just as God talks about in this passage and wreak devastation. And he says to Job, let me see you make one of these. Let me see your power. Let me see your might. And then after all of this, God finishes his argument and it's time for us to hear from Job again. And that's what we find in chapter 42 beginning in verse one, look at the word of the Lord. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I've uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear and I will speak. I will question you and you make it known to me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I despise myself and I repent in dust and ashes. 
Would you bow your head to pray with me? God, as we pause in this moment, we recognize that you are God and that we are not. That your rightness and your mightiness rule even this moment. And so we ask you, speak. Let us hear from you. And as we gaze into the mirror that is your word, let us see those things in us that need to be dealt with so that if necessary, we might say as Job, we change. We turn around. We stop listening primarily to us and we focus on you and your word. So do in us what only you can do in us. Bring about what only you can bring about. Change lives. And let it begin in me. And Lord, I certainly pray that the words I say and even my thoughts would please you in these moments. In Jesus' name, amen. Job finally learned to do, he finally knew to do, what he needed to do. Revelation always leads to repentance. When God was truly revealed to Job, he had no choice but to change the way he had looked at things. I want to make it clear that that really is the point of our study of the things of God, of theology. So in a few moments, some of you will gather together in small groups, or perhaps you've already gathered this week in small groups to study the word of God. And it's great to grow in our understanding. We met last night as a family and there's a passage of scripture that our family is focusing on trying to memorize over the, the coming weeks. It's great to learn and to know the word of God. But why is that? It's not just for the study of knowledge. Every point of our theology, the study of God should leave us saying, if this is true, That means I see God like this and I live like this. And you can look at that in different aspects of our theology. So one of the cores of our belief is that there's nothing you can do to earn or deserve your faith. That you're being at church today or are you checking off the list of how you've lived? That's not earning your your, uh, presence before God. That you're saved by grace. Through your faith in him. So if this is true, what does that mean? It it means that God gave his life to grant me salvation so that I can walk with him because he loves me. It means I can't earn my salvation. It, It means all I can do is lean into his grace and rely on him. If Jesus is the son of God. What does that mean and how does it affect how I live? If if Jesus is the son of God, it means that God himself loved me so much. He was willing to pay the ultimate price, the sacrifice of his only son to demonstrate his love. And so if I believe that, I can't help but live in gratitude for the love and the graciousness of God. If Jesus was resurrected from the dead, what difference does that make in my life? If Jesus was truly resurrected from the dead, it means not only does he have power over sin, that he 
He paid the punishment for on the cross, but he has power over life and death. That means that I should not fear that thing which most of us humans fear most, which is death. Because I have a God who is the resurrection and is the life, who has power over the grave. And if God is the creator of everything that is, what does that mean to me? Well, it means that he has complete authority over everything in my life. It means that all that I have is simply on loan from him. It means that I must manage and steward wisely that which he's given me. I want you to understand that these revelations about God always must lead to repentance, to change in our life of how we live based on what we've learned. If it's not, then the world sees us and calls us hypocrites. We go through the motions We gain the knowledge, but change is not exhibited in our lives. Job finally understood it it wasn't enough to do the right things. It it wasn't enough to believe the right things. This revelation in his life became revolutionary. And that's why I say this could be called the gospel according to Job. Because it sets up the very truths of the gospel that demonstrate to us how to find that pathway to God. And it begins with these words. Job says, I am so small. I am so small. Look at verse 4. Behold, I am of small account. He finally realized his place in things. He had been reduced in size in the towering presence of God. He recognized how small he was. He humbled himself in the sight of God. And we know from the New Testament what God does when that begins in our life. When we humble ourselves in the sight of God, he does what? He lifts us up. So Job finally had his day in court. And he realized, I don't have anything to say. I'm just standing amazed in the presence. You know, there will be a day when we all have that experience. There will be a day when all of us, the created, stand before our creator in the presence of of Jesus himself. On that day, seeing God and being in his presence his presence, it will be the answer to all of our questions. Often I hear, I hear people say, oh, when I got, get to heaven, I'm going to have some questions for God. Let me just say this to you. I don't think you will. I think you will be so amazed at the presence of the almighty that you'll just say, oh God, I'm so small. When you know the answer to who, the answer to why is not nearly as important as it once was. That's why in Revelation 21 and and verse 4, it says, He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. The old order of things has passed away. He who's seated on the throne says, I'm making everything new. Then he says, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. He's saying there's coming a day when no heartaches shall come. No more clouds in the sky. No more tears to dim the eye. All is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. What a day. What a glorious day that'll be. 
He's saying, what a day that will be when my Jesus I will see. And I look into his face, the one who saved me by his grace. When he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land, what a day, a glorious day that'll be. And in that moment, when you see his greatness, you can't help but humble yourself. The problem for most of us is not that we've come to a place where we've said, I am so small. The problem for most of us is our God is too small. We've recreated God in our image and we have, we have reduced his capacity to those things we think we can figure out. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis, an outreach of Mission Hill Church. If you're looking for answers to difficult questions, or searching for a church home, you're invited to any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. Details and directions at missionhillchurch.com. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement, but it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhillchurch.com and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhillchurch.com. Weekdays at 9 a.m. Be encouraged by The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk, a.m. 570 and 910.